Remember, I just said it. Jacob, he wrestled with Esau's in the womb. He grabbed the heel of his brother. Jacob steals his brother's birthright. Jacob tricks his father into the blessing. Jacob puts them on garments to trick Isaac. And that's why even last week we talked about it. Jacob is talking to his mom and saying, I do not want the curse. And who takes the curse? The mom. Because he, he wants the blessing at every opportunity, even though he knows that he's oh, is given the birthright. He knows that it's coming. He still wants it on his own terms. He does not want that curse. So as we pick up the story today, Jacob has, at this point, he's been given the blessing. And we need to know what this blessing is. The blessing from the beginning of Genesis is that of being fruitful and multiplying, which is that of producing life, that of being good stewards of God's blessing, that of multiplying with children, but with also that, God, all the stuff that God has given us. God is the author of life, and now he has made us in the image, in his image, and he has now allowed us to help steward properly. And Jacob is, we could clearly see, has been blessed, even in his failings. Last week, we went through where basically it was the story of Jacob's ladder, where he had a dream and had a moment. And if you've been reading along with us, we've been now, the last couple uh, weeks, he just dealt with Laban. Laban, for over 20 years, Jacob has this other adversary, another family member that is trying to go after his own blessings as well. We see two guys going after it, and it's back and forth. All of a sudden, yeah, I'll work for you for seven years for your wife. Oh, okay, that's seven years. And then I trick you, and you have to marry the older one. And then I'll work another seven years. There's this deception back and forth from removing every sparkled and spotted sheep to battling for wells, to jealousy from the sons of Laban, to leaving Laban under the cover of night, from Rachel stealing the idols. There is a, the, in the pursuit of Laban after Jacob, seeking his own blessing. This is a wild, like, back and forth. None of you have family dynamics, do you? No problems, back and forth. Okay, good, we're good, all right. No, like we have, we, there's this, there's, there is this pull and tug. There is this trying to one-up each other. There's this halfway, and we talked about it in Sunday school, you, you see this character, Jacob, after last week where he, the Jacob's letter, he had this moment with God, he's having trust with God, but he's still who he is. He still has this deceptiveness, and he listened to God, but he's sort of halfway in, but then all of a sudden, you can see that he's trying to take over again. How many of us live like that? We love to take our first step and be like, oh, I can figure this out, I can do it, but we don't really seek God and we're not all the way in. And there's this, this pull and tug, and we see it all the time in our lives. And what is happening here is that Jacob is going to be worked on. He has to go through the fire. He has to be molded. Now, have any of you ever seen the show uh, Forged by Fire? No? Okay, a couple people. Yes. It's one of those shows where they have to take these guys that are women that work with knives, and they have to, like, sharpen the knife, but they, they have to start from scratch. It's a, a piece, and they'll have to put it in the heat, and they'll pull it out, and they'll start 
uh, with a hammer, molding it, and then put it back in the heat, and then they'll, they'll uh, put it in water. It's this whole process of shaping the sword to do what its function is. It's to cut things. And that is what is going to be happening to Jacob. coming. He has to be shaped and molded. And the problem is, is a lot of us in here don't always love to be put in the fire to be worked on. We don't love when we're in there and all of a sudden we come out and all of a sudden there's a hammer hand on us. And we get frustrated and mad. But sometimes we have to be able to do that to be able to function properly. And a lot of times, because of that, we blame God and we move from God. And we're like, I don't even want to deal with that. And this is what is happening here. And as we can see this in this story where we pick up, Jacob has left and he is on his way home. So there's this 20-year gap where all of a sudden he was going, he found his wives, he found his wife, and then he's coming back with his family. He's been blessed, and he's now back on his journey, and he's heading back home to the same sort of area where he just was when he experienced God. And Laban and him have it out, and basically they set up a standard. You stay on this side, I'll stay on this side, and this is where we're at. Verse 22 of Genesis 32. So this is the night before he's going to see Esau. And this this right here, it says this. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So this is the day before Esau. This is the day. And the, the, what's so unique about Esau is you have to remember this. If you're not caught up to the story, uh, Jacob, 20 years ago, uh, basically took everything from Esau's, at least uh, the blessings. So he now has two-thirds. Esau had a third. Basically, everything was going over. And the last time we've really seen Esau, he was saying, I want to kill Jacob. So there is this tension there. There's this family tension that is, that is happening. Now, what is happening, as you'll see here, is Jacob, once again, is trying to master a plan. He has sent the family across the river, which is dangerous, but he's put them across because he wants there to be a little bit of a gap between him and the safety. So there's this between him and Esau's family. And so that's why he started to stream out his family so that there's the safety. And he wants to once again try to control the situation and uh, make Esau uh, feel like, hey, look at all what I'm giving to you before we actually meet. But here he's protecting his family. And it says this in verse 24. It says, so Jacob was left alone and the man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he, was, he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God at this moment meets Jacob. Now we, we see it as a man, but we're going to we'll figure how this all works out. God is coming to clean Jacob. 
Jacob first starts out by himself. Now we have to remember, Jacob is now alone. He's on the other side. And this is what Wearsby says. He says this, God can come to us and do something in us and for us when it might just be us and God. The problem is, and the thing I want us to get with it today is, and I, I want you guys to know that I, I hope that it is a blessing for you to be at church. I hope that it is fruitful and it brings you life. It's one of those moments that you get to slow down and you get to be with God. And I'm going to say some of you are just way too busy. You're going too fast. You're going so fast that you cannot even see or recognize when God is working in your life. And I am not saying that that does not mean to work hard. There are two different things. We are called to work hard. We're called to, to be trustworthy in our work and accountable in our work. We're supposed to lead well and be led well. The problem is that some of us are going so fast that if we take off the hands off the wheel, we will crash. It, letting God be in control is different than you work really hard. God, as you will see, never abandoned Jacob. He's always kept his promise. The, the, pro, the rub is that Jacob is being so manipulative and trying to grab his blessings so hard, he is destroying relationships, and you can see the chaos that is formed in his own family and that of chaos, and you will see that in the future 12 tribes of Judah. Jacob is now alone. Some of you love these things. Love them or them too much. I have to, I had to say, my, my wife says, why are, you, why are you on it? And I was like, I had to set a time to limit uh, how long I could be on my phone. Like I said it just because I don't want to be on it so much. I'm using a phone to determine not to be on a phone. Some of you can get into other stuff too. Way too much. That is not fruitful. That is not life-giving, multiplying what God wants, and all of a sudden that is pulling, and it's a, it's a way, and it's a, whatever that is, whatever the avenue is for you, it could be destructive. And the promise is right here, when we have time to actually be with God, God will continue to work in us. And, and some of us have to take that time. So Jacob is alone now, and then he's back at the same spot where he was 20 years earlier. And the first question that is going to be asked, and I think that will be asked for Jacob and a lot of us is, number one is, who are you? Who are you? Now we have to remember, as my friend Brad put it to me the other day when we were talking, God is bringing the fight to Jacob. God is bringing it to Jacob. What I find interesting and so amazing that God is about God is that he will find you no matter where you're at. You could be in the highest mountain or the lowest valley. God will seek his sheep. God will meet us where he needs to meet us. Once again, I'm going to use a Wearsby quote. He, he says this, To Abraham, the pilgrim, God came as a traveler. And to Joshua, the general, he came as a soldier. Jacob had spent most of his adult life wrestling people, 
Esau, Isaac, Laban, and even his wives. So God came up and came to him as a wrestler. Okay, um, when you hear the word wrestler, there's usually one thing that you think of. Okay, uh, we're going to play just a little bit of a clip. This is what I grew up on. A little bit of wrestling. So, he kicked out. And the crowd. Oh, so that's the hawk. That's the rock. And the faces are, he's hawking up right now. If you didn't know that. And it's getting, oh no, it's crazy. We're not watching the whole match. But this is what. I had sort of known wrestling to be, oh, it's so, boom. But the one thing you can take out of it, this is, this is a real battle. This, I know, whatever, you say it's not real, but, you know. Oh, he kicked out, okay, well, that's enough. It's, uh, but the thing is, is this is so, what's ha gonna happen here? This man, they're gonna be wrestling. This is not just a whatever. Like, I think sometimes we have this in the imagination of like, oh, well, it's not going to be that physical. No, this is, this is a battle. They're sweat. They're, they're, they're groping. Or they're like grabbing each other and grappling, and they're, they're going after it. And, and what we're asking and what is happening is the question is, is, who are you and who's Jacob at this moment? And God has fulfilled these promises to Jacob. He, he's given him children. He's given him sheep. He's given him these goats. He's given them material possessions and wealth. And, and those are not the bad things, but there's so much more that God wants from Jacob. He wants his deceitfulness and his trickster ways to be cleaned out. God wants godly character. And what A.W. Tozer says, and I uh, says it, the Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. Are you conquered by him? Are you conquered by him? That's different. Then, oh, I give my life to him because I'm still in charge. Right? We love negotiating with God, setting the boundaries, setting the standards, setting how we want to operate in it. Here's the thing. God doesn't operate that way. Never has, never will. It's on his terms. It's on his plan. And the promise is we want to still be in control even when we're negotiating. And that is what Jacob loves to do throughout his whole life. He loves to play it his way. And God said no more. The Hebrew word for wrestle here is avag, which also means to dust up. And you're going to see here that God is going to wound Jacob. He's going to wrestle Jacob. He's going to heal Jacob to get the crud out of his life, to get the deceitfulness and the scheming out of Jacob. A good question when you are asking, who are you? And most of us would say here, when we, we answer that question, that we live a blessed life. We're, we live in America. We've, we've been given life abundantly. 
We, we even hear it and we use the word blessing or bless you all the time when someone opens the door and they're walking out, bless you. Or when someone sneezes, bless you. It's, but when someone sneezes, it's like uh, there's this life-giving. It's like, hey, I, I hope b- bad things don't happen to you. There's this, this pursuit of life-givingness when, when we're, we're talking about this. But the problem is, is you cannot have a full life if you are not connected to the life-giver. Has Jesus conquered your life? It's a serious question where he can fully bless it. And this is not a blessing about materialism. There is a huge difference. Yes, Jacob had material blessings, but I can look through the whole scripture and the Bible and see a lot of those that did not have and did not receive material blessings, but more importantly, had the blessing of God upon them. So the question is, who are you? And to answer that leads to my next point is, what's your name? What's your name? Verse 27 says this. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Now Jacob met a man and wrestled with this man. And this is a divine man. Now let's lay something out here for everyone to know. This is God choosing to wrestle Jacob, not God trying to wrestle Jacob. There's a difference. I'm just letting you know God could destroy Jacob or any of us, like, in a second. This is a moment where God is choosing to participate with Jacob to shape him. This divine man, now many people believe that this divine man was pre-birth Jesus, was, uh, that was wrestling with him. We get that from John 1, that in the beginning, was the word and God was there with him at the since there since the beginning of time that there that God came down in in flesh form and the reason why we know that this is a divine character is uh, for four reasons one Jacob right away is asking for a blessing from this character I don't know about you but if I just saw a man and started wrestling uh, all of a sudden I'm not really asking for a blessing from a stranger like, he knows this is what's going on here, okay? Number two, God changes his name, okay? This has happened before with Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. So this has already happened before, the name change. Number three, uh, this man does not give his name. This is, happens earlier or later with Samson's father asking a similar situation. So there's already another situation where the name is not given, And after the dust-up, Jacob says, I have seen the face of God, yet my life is delivered. The man, or this pre-born, Jesus, or or God, took on a temporary human form. This is a unique story, but not the only time that God, a pre-birth Jesus, is mentioned. We have Adam and Eve walking with him. We have the Lord eating a meal with Abraham and Sarah. 
He spoke with Joshua and Hagar and Gideon. God came in human form with Jacob. God took on human form and humbled himself to have the human limitations of man. Where, where have we seen this before in the New Testament? Like, who's going to take on human form? Jesus. Like, this is, this is what is going to happen. Now, this isn't from, the, from Mary. This isn't from the birth. This is not full. This is, this is a, uh, different, but this is God active and participating in the world, and not just in the world, but in and with us. Now, the question is, if somebody's like, well, how does, why would he wrestle with Jacob? Uh, question I have, have any of you wrestled with the Holy Spirit? Yes. How many of you have wrestled with the Holy Spirit knowing that the way you were going, he's saying, don't go that way? Do you know that the Holy Spirit could, if he wanted to, make you go that way? But he chooses to participate and tell you the right way? But there's this free will, and there's, this, there's this working on us? Oh, yeah, it's putting us in the fire and then pulling us out and hammering us and shaping us. It has continued to shape us in this wrestling. So what is happening here is the same thing that happens with us now because we're at a different place where Jesus has come, he's died for us, and then gave us the Holy Spirit. Now we are able to wrestle with the Holy Spirit, but we don't always have to wrestle. We can listen, and we can be obedient in God, but there's always these times, too, where, oh, I don't know, we're sinful. We're still selfish. We still want the fruit of the apple from Genesis 1. We still want our own desires. And that is the rub. And that's the rub that has happened right here. God is showing you the future for Jesus. We see it in this story. And here's the thing. So many of us look at it and be like, this is... This is an awkward story like where it looks like the man is prevailing. Victory over God. Jacob like, like holds out and wins. I will tell you the same thing. We see the same thing at Calvary where it looks like man wins. Man has killed God on a cross. But it wasn't the ultimate victory. It was not. God holds the keys. God is not defeated. God. But this is, this is a great reminder of, of who Jesus is and, and what this is about. And, the, and the, it, blow, it does blow my mind that God of the universe wants to participate with us fallen people. We have just seen how deceptive and messed up and, and crazy Jacob is. And the thing is, is, if we think we're so much different than we are at fault... Many of us are so deceptive. Many of us are so angry. So many of us get upset. As you read the stories of, of Jacob and, and all these, do you not see yourself in different parts? When Jacob, I see myself when Jacob gets upset at Laban, because Laban gets there and he's digging through all of their stuff, looking for his idols. And all of a sudden, Jacob's like, I had enough of this. Like, I'm done with this. Like, you, he gets angry because he feels like, He's in the right. And there's some times where all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I could, I could go there. It doesn't mean it's the right thing, but you can see yourself as I'm trying to protect mine. I'm trying to get my blessings. And all of a sudden, there's not this obedience to what God has said. That is why the Lord then asked Jacob, what is your name? 
If you want to nerd out for a second, I'm sorry, I love these little, this will be a little sidetracked. When's the last time Jacob was asked what his name is? When his father asked him, and what does he say in Genesis 27, 18? He, he goes, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. How? He lied. And now all of a sudden he's saying, what is your name? Jacob is a trickster. He's a deceiver. God did not ask Jacob what his name was because God didn't know what his name was. He already knew what it was. It's, I know that you're a flawed. Let me fix you. Let me fix the deception. Let me fix it. Talking about, back to what's your name, I like Chad Bird's quote. He says this, he had a uh, <clears throat> professor friend, and when he ever taught about this, he would say uh, this to his students. Whenever there is a name change in the Bible, it becomes impossible to tell your story without telling God's story. Hey, I thought your name was Jacob. Well, it was, and then something happened. Most of you have had that in your own life, too where God has intervened in your life. Jesus, God, has given us an opportunity for a new life. Our lives are to God. We are no longer ourselves, but His. So when we ask the first question, who are we? We are His. We are Christ followers. Our believing loyalty is in Him. We are still fallen, sinful people, that need repentance and to be made right with God, when we can't do that ourselves, God must intervene and shape us. <clears throat> now, the way that I look at it is, you know, I've already told my one basketball story, and we'll wrap that one up here soon, but I love basketball, and if when I was a kid, I wanted to be in the NBA, I, I really thought I could do it. So I actually could shoot well, but then I, I ran into a guy named Brad Boyles, and he just shut me down, and my life's never been the same. <laughs> so if you don't know who he is, uh, good, because, yeah, whatever. Don't want to go down that story. But if I wanted to be the best, I, would I go to a fisherman to learn how to play basketball? No. Would I, would I go to uh, a woodworker that, to learn how to play basketball? No, I go to the source. I go to someone that's done it, that has been there. And the problem is, is the only place that we can really walk with God is to be close to God, with God, and let God work with us. And also, that's why God has given us the church, to have other people, uh, discipleships, and other people around to help mold and shape you. The problem is, is so many of us want to avoid those moments. And God wants to continue to hammer us, to work us out for His glory not ours. When we deal with being Christ followers, we don't always enjoy when Christ corrects us. But this leads to, what's your name? My name is still literally John. But because of Christ, my name is now His. I live for Him. His will be done, not mine. This is, this is what is happening to Jacob. Jacob's name is no longer His. Um, we read this again in Genesis chapter 35, and this plays a good part into it because 
It says, chapter 35, verse 9, says, After Jacob returned from Padarama, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So be named, so he named him Israel. And let's continue on because I think this goes back on to the blessing because it's back into Genesis 1. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. And kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked to him. It's a, a great reminder that the, there's this name change and this, this um, transformation here, but also that God is renewing the promises that he's kept from Abraham. So Jacob becomes Israel, which means, if you haven't got it yet, it means to wrestle with God or to struggle with God or is some even claim it's to, uh, to let God rule or fighting with God. What is different about Jacob's name is that after it, many times in the Bible, he's still called Jacob. Like, you see it multiple times. And I love how Bird points this out, and he says this, It seems, therefore, that rather than getting a new name, Jacob receives an additional name. He is no longer just Jacob, but also Israel. He is still a heel, a messed up person, only now, he's also the God fighter. What his parents gave him and what God gave him together, both of these are realities. Both of these names tell the man's story. And Jacob. So you, you see that most of us have a story before we met God. That's part of our story. Are the consequences of that of where we are, the deception. And some of us, here's the shocking thing. Hey, when you found Jesus, uh, did any of you stop sinning altogether? No, we're, we're still... No, so we still have this human flesh, this still this desire for the fruits of our own blessing and desire. We still have this struggle of our sin in there. And there's this deception. That, that is part of us, but now we're still anew. We're still new. We still now have our believing loyalty in Jesus Christ, and we still represent him and tell other people. And other people will still say, well, you're still messed up and still a sinner. Yeah, because it's not about me. It's about his glory. He's the perfect one. All of a sudden, now who I am, my name has changed. It's no longer about me. I do want to talk for a second how Jacob walks away with a limp. Because they were wrestling, and all of a sudden, his hip is put out of place. In verse 30, it says this, So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. 31, The sun rose above him as he passed uh, Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tender uh, tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. One thing I just want to uh, focus on for a second. 
this is a great time when, why when you're eating, not eating something, the children over time and time, the kids would probably ask, why, why we don't eat this, or why we don't, and then they would retell the story of Jacob. This is a great retelling of how it's connected. It's a great pullback to be, this is why we do when Jacob wrestled with God. But I also want you to know, God can cause and use limps in our life. We are called to limp to him, with him, towards him, not apart from him. Some of our dependencies are so on us, but the thing is, is we must empty ourselves and trust in him. After Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit and can walk in with the Spirit, but we also still walk in our old name. We are still deceivers, we are still sinners, we are still selfish, we are still men and women who have unrighteous anger. But Bird says it like this, the life of discipleship is not about us getting stronger, rather it's about growing increasingly aware of our weakness and the Lord's strength that we walk around with a limp. Now as I said earlier, I broke my wrist, being cocky. I can tell you every time now when I feel it, where does it take me back to? It reminds me of that decision. It reminds me of that moment. And now Jacob is walking around with a limp. What's he going to be thinking about when he feels it? He's thinking about going back to God, molding and shaping him. Here's the thing is some of you can take a look at that limp and look at it in two different directions, as a curse or a blessing. Some of you are, can be angry. God has caused this in my life or used this. And here's the thing. Some of that stuff that has been caused is your own decisions. I get really frustrated when you throw stuff on God and it's you. It is you. We can't, we can't keep on passing the buck. That is a Jacob move. That is deception. That is deceiving. And it starts with, what's your name? It's who you are. It's where it starts. The problem is, is so many times we look at other people and say, you got to fix this. you got to fix this. No, no, no. God's working on you. God wants to work in you. And that is the calling. That is for us to be obedient. That is for us to continue to walk. And this wrist, when I feel it, when I'm doing a certain workout, do I want to feel it? No. Do I feel weird when I hear a weird click? Yes. But it also reminds me, I need to be thinking before I do some stuff. And I know that this is an example, but I also think that we can do that in the way that we behave uh, spiritually, in the way we walk with God, in the way we process with God. And God, yes, I can. Uh, he can take bad things and turn them good, yes, but I also think he can take good things and make it great. I think that if we're walking with him and pursuing him, that it can be a beautiful thing, and that's our calling. But you're also going to see in the next week's story that even when you're righteous and you're good, uh, Joseph and the coat of many colors, still bad things might happen, but it doesn't matter about that. It's about our obedience. It's about the repentance, about who we are. Some of you are walking around with a limp today. 
literally and figuratively. But the thing is, is the question is, who are you and what's your name? That, that's what it is. And some of you have bought into the serpent's story so much that the path you're on, the pursuits that you have, the, the way that you've gone is you've lost that and you're still so focused. And what is, what is happening is the serpent has had and guided you away from the true path. And you need to get back on the right path. And one of that is to know who you are. And who you are, you are a child of God. And what your name is, it's the name of Jesus, or whoever God calls you to be. Brian Moore told me about this story about uh, a missionary that went over to uh, a Muslim country and was trying to preach the name of, of Jesus over there. And uh, months had gone by, I, I, can't, uh, I can't remember, it might have been years, where there was no progress, none whatsoever. They tried to have conversations, tried to do this, nothing, everything got shut down. So he decided, okay, Every time I do something and someone asks, I'm just going to say Jesus. So it's like, so he would open up the door and, uh, open up the door and say, uh, well, why did you do that? Well, Jesus. Uh, bring over food. Oh, thank you. Uh, you didn't need to bring food. Ah, uh, Jesus. He would only answer in one word. And it started throwing people off. People were like, well, you're just really talking about Jesus all the time. That, that was his name change. That's who he became. He wanted to represent Jesus. That's what his name was. It's like it was no longer his life. He wanted to be whatever it was, however I serve. I just want to represent Jesus. I'm not asking you to go around and say just that name, but we are called to walk and represent Jesus. Our, that's our name change. And Jacob can't be that way if he's still living his old way. If he's still being deceptive, if he's still being deceitful, if he's still doing that. And some of us want both. And we've talked about that, the, the middle of the ground. If you are walking with God today, and if you're wrestling with God today, I am telling you, don't let go. Hold on. It might leave you with a limp, but your life will be forever changed. I'm going to have the worship team come up now because we're going to do a song to end. But I just want you guys to process where you're at and you're walking that with, with Christ, with God. As we wrestle with Jacob, have you bought into the deceptive lies? Have you bought into that? Or do you know who your name is? And the question is, and the, the challenge is, even if it leaves you with a limp, it is God's purpose, God's way, for us to continue to walk and be obedient with him.